Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. At least for one week, Chiefs fans will be able to back off hammering on the Chiefs offense and the lack of production they've showed at times this year after Kansas City goes on a 31-3 run against the Las Vegas Raiders to win it 31-17. Chiefs didn't look very good at the start, falling behind 14-0 in this one, but a 31-3 rally in the NFL is big-time stuff. The Chiefs get on the board with about six minutes to go in the half, but then put 14 on the board right before halftime and then unleash in the second half. Patrick Mahomes throws for 298 yards and two touchdowns, was 27 of 37. Rasheed Rice is emerging as the top weapon on this team. Eight catches for 107 and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey with a big day. Six receptions, 91 yards. The Chiefs improved to 8-3. and three. That is a half game back of Baltimore, which owns the one seed right now in the AFC. Obviously, the Chiefs have played one game fewer than the Ravens at this point. That will take care of itself as the Chiefs are 8-3. and three, The Ravens are 9-3. and three. And right now, the wins over Jacksonville and Miami are key to the Chiefs because those teams also 8-3. and three. The Chiefs have the tiebreaker there and would be the two seed. And if the playoffs were played today... It would be the Indianapolis Colts at Kansas City in the first round of the playoffs, and the Ravens would get the bye. But there's so much football left to be played, and the important part is a surging Raiders team, a team that had been playing better. The Chiefs just dominated after a slow start in this game. You could see how important this game was to the Raiders. You can see how improved they are and how much more passion and emotion they're playing with under their new head coach after firing um, McDaniel. It's really impressive to see what's happened within the division with the Raiders and especially the Broncos who win easily on Sunday and are making a push. And I just don't think it holds up in the AFC. Right now, the Colts, the Browns, and the Steelers are all in the playoffs. I don't think that's how it's going to end. I think other teams are going to make bigger pushes. Better teams will emerge down the stretch than the Colts, Browns, and Steelers. The Browns and Steelers in particular are simply doing it with defense and very little offense. And I just don't think in today's game that holds up which is why it was so critical for the Chiefs to do what they did on Sunday. And that was show us all that they can be the explosive offense, that late in the game they can run the ball on their final drives, just shoving it up at the Raiders, and that Patrick Mahomes can make big plays. We saw a really nice flea flicker that wound up being a big gainer to Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice with a nice catch over on the sideline and then a burst to the end zone for the touchdown. I think he's got a chance to be a star. It looks like his season is going to be better, better, yes, I said it, better than most rookie wide receivers will have in their first year, and better than Tyreek Hill's first year in Kansas City. Now, Tyreek Hill was making a transition from running back to wide receiver, essentially, in the NFL, so it took a little while, and I'm not going to tell you that Rasheed Rice is going to be as good as Tyreek Hill. But he is showing flashes that he can absolutely be the star receiver the Chiefs have been longing for. That was a brilliant performance in game that he put on Sunday on the road at Vegas. And I think it makes everyone feel better just to think that there is somebody out there that the defense has to get ready for other than Travis Kelsey. It certainly changed the way you would defend the Chiefs and maybe changes the way you look at them going forward. Look, the schedule is what it is. There are still no playoff teams on this schedule. The Chiefs just get to continue to play teams that are not in the playoffs right now. They'll go Packers, Bills, lowly Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers, and none of those teams as we speak right now are in the postseason. So this schedule is setting up nicely for Kansas City. 
They pick off another road win on Sunday night at Green Bay against a team that, to be quite honest, they should be able to beat. They should be able to handle the Packers on Sunday night. And if they do, the schedule flips in their favor as they've got nice home games remaining against the Bills, the Raiders, and the Bengals. And then the road game that they've got is at the Patriots and, of course, at the Chargers, who just find ways to lose games. Four turnovers for the Chargers as they lose to the Ravens in stunning fashion. They gave up a critical touchdown defensively on a fourth down where if they get a stop in a three-point game, they have a chance to win it. And even if they don't, they might be able to hold them to a field goal and just be down six right there in a chance to win. But no, even when not turning it over, as the Chargers do, they couldn't get a defensive stop. In the NFC, the Eagles, 49ers, and Cowboys all roll. They're looking terrific. We'll talk with Stan about all of that and what emerges there. I think what's really interesting about the NFC is the Eagles are sitting on top and they just keep winning, but they're the least impressive of those three teams. It does not look like the Eagles' A game is nearly as good as the 49ers or Cowboys' A games. And I think that makes it very, very fascinating. We'll talk with Stan about everything that happened in the NFL and what he thinks of the Chiefs going forward. And former Chiefs quarterbacks Alex Smith's comments about the great Tom Brady. I would have never guessed in a million years that Alex Smith would ever say anything as a TV analyst. And he has just unloaded on Tom Brady for Brady's comments that the game is watered down. It's not as competitive that as when he played. And Alex Smith pointed out, listen, this guy just won a Super Bowl in this era of mediocrity that he's talking about. And he played in the weakest division known to man all throughout the years. Alex Smith said that with Rex Ryan sitting on the set, who was coaching the Jets in that division. Alex Smith just unloading truth bombs on Tom Brady. I absolutely love it. We'll get Stan Weber's comments on that as well. We'll also talk some college football. A big weekend. The Missouri Tigers have had an amazing year. What can you say about the Missouri Tigers? 48-14 over Arkansas. Cody Schrader should be getting Heisman run. I don't think he's a Heisman winner. I don't think he's a serious Heisman contender. But he should definitely be getting in the discussion. Is he the best running back in America? Did he have the best year in America? And how much difference has this young man that's an amazing story coming to Missouri, 27 carries, 217 yards against Arkansas, and a touchdown. The Missouri Tigers went 10-2 and and 6-2 and and could be ranked as high as what? 5, 6, 7 at the end of the year if they win their bowl game? Pretty amazing stuff. Kansas State goes down on a ball of flames in the worst defensive performance, perhaps, in K-State history. Chris Kleiman signed a huge contract at Kansas State. He is known as a defensive coach. He turned the offense over to Colin Klein, and the offense worked pretty much all year. The defense on Saturday night, not so much. A lot of critical mistakes were made here by the Wildcats. The most noteworthy is they simply didn't tackle. And Iowa State have massive big plays in this game for touchdowns. Abu Sama, 16 carries, 276 yards in the snow and three touchdowns. Complete and utter embarrassment by Kansas State. They were only topped by Auburn's defense on Saturday, which with the game on the line, fourth and goal from what, the 30-yard line, Auburn leading over Alabama, they rushed two on the quarterback. They rushed two. They dropped eight. And they left a spy in the middle of the field on the quarterback. Now, why you would leave a spy on the quarterback when he has to go 30 yards on the last play of the game to get to the end zone is beyond me. I have no idea what a spy was. I've never seen anybody ever rush two. 
And so Auburn wins the prize for worst defensive call, although Chris Kleiman uh, certainly wins runner-up there after a abysmal, abysmal defensive performance by Kansas State and an embarrassing way to end the regular season. Kansas rolls, playing the worst team in the Big 12, Cincinnati, 49-16. Jason Bean had the top quarterback rating in all of college football this weekend with a 250-yard performance and two touchdowns. He was simply sensational, closing out the regular season of his career. Kansas finishes with a winning record in the Big 12, 5-4. Pretty strong stuff for the Kansas Jayhawks. They were very impressive on Saturday night over Cincinnati. One other sports note from the weekend, Sporting Kansas City's season is over. They fall to Houston, one nothing. A lot of people complaining about delays, flops, gamesmanship by the Houston Dynamo in this game, but let's be honest. It's the postseason. Kansas City plays Houston, and Houston wins. That's just the way it's been through the years. What an amazing job by Peter Vermees and Johnny Russell and crew and the entire Sporting Kansas City team to get where they got to the semis like this and go this far. They fall at Houston 1-0. Stan Weber will be our guy to break it all down. It's brought to you by Back9 Development, online at back9development.com, your custom home builder. If you'd like to dream a little bit, you have a piece of land, or if you're looking in a subdivision and you'd like to see some great custom homes for your family, Back9 Development would love to meet with you. Perhaps your dream matches what they do. Back9development.com. See their entire portfolio of custom homes, condominiums, and commercial developments. T.J. Vilkanskis can be reached at 785-236-0161. Online at back9development.com. Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC would love to have you come by the dealership and drop off some toys between now and December 14th. Santa Claus will be there on December 14th as well. So mark the calendar if you live near there. For the kiddos to bring them by and see Santa Claus on December 14th from 4 to 6, we'd love you to send some toys over to Meet the Need. That's the local charity in Excelsior Springs that Roberts Robinson is working with. Or if you could, just dial up a little $8 toy on Amazon and send it. Ship it to 1501 Kearney Road. That's 1501 Kearney Road, Excelsior Springs, Missouri, 64024. Send the toy to Roberts Robinson this holiday season. And Ron Buck and his team at Buck Roofing and now Buck Disposal. If you've worked in an industry where you use big disposal containers at your job site, you know dealing with corporations that are out of town and call centers in Chicago can drive you absolutely crazy. When you really need a giant dumpster or container, either dropped off or picked up, a lot of times you get really bad customer service, but not anymore. A local company is handling this now, Buck Disposal. 913 242 7695 or online at buckdisposal.com. It is time for our chat with the football feast guru himself, Stan Weber on KKHI. Hit it. The KKHI conversation is brought to you by Fry Orthodontics, where your smile is just the start. Online at fryorthodontics.com. Well, I may need Stan to be my doctor here this week. After watching so much football over the weekend, I need a diagnosis, Stan. Is it possible my eyeballs are popping out because I've watched too much football? Is that Can you diagnose that? Is that even possible? Well, for many, it is. It may not be healthy. For me, it's more normal. But I will put, throw a little curveball in as a doctor and act like I'm a real expert. Kevin, one of the reasons why your eyeballs may feel that weird, tired feeling is the fact that we saw so many bad games to start the weekend off. 
usually I can find reason to tell you why every game had a lot of excitement. Maybe it was into the third quarter before the team separated. You might have looked at the score and said, oh, it was a blowout. And I go, no, you had to watch. Not so much. After Detroit and Green Bay got done with a great game to start out Thanksgiving, we didn't have a lot of drama uh, unless you're into watching Nebraska lose to Iowa. Okay, I mean, that was crazy. But other than that, the Thursday games, the Friday games just did not have the kind of glue that your eyes should be going for. So if you wasted your time looking at too many of those games, your eyes might actually hurt more than they should. Well, we saw some absolute mayhem in the NFL when the Chiefs had their bye week. We saw all the things that happened there and helped them out. So it's not going to be like that every week, either in the NFL or college, that you're going to see a bunch of wild things. But it, it did get crazy on Saturday in college football. And I think one of the, the themes before we get into the Chiefs here is the cream really is rising. The Chiefs played better. We saw what their offense is capable of. We'll get into all the details with the Chiefs. But Baltimore wins again in the NFC. The Eagles, the 49ers, the Cowboys all just look terrific at this point. Are we seeing separation in the NFL? We are this year. Yes, we are. And it's usually the separation that I think the NFL owners and commissioner, et cetera, can live with. And that's, at the end of the game, the team that knows how to make winning plays. We're not looking up and it's 40 to nothing midway through the third quarter and, and you go, this is the old college blowouts. Remember when Ohio State and Michigan would blow everybody out every game before 85 scholarship limits were in place and things like that. I think the NFL is still a very good product, but you kind of get baited into thinking, oh, yeah, the Chargers are actually going to win this game. No, no, the Ravens win, the Chargers lose. Uh, the Eagles win, Buffalo loses. Now, to include Buffalo into that statement is a radical statement, but, Kevin, there are 500 teams that dump game after game after game with bad decisions, and the Eagles are outrageous at knowing how to win. Big theme of mine when you think about Chiefs versus the Eagles and how you can't believe that for the third time in his career, Patrick Mahomes lost a double-digit lead, Kevin, only the third time, halftime lead of 10 over Philly, and they won the game. You're going, how could that happen? The Chiefs are better. Yes, they are, but the Eagles, after last season, they're not as good as last year, but this year they know how to win. Four straight games, they have played in a way that they should have lost, and yet at the end, it's so predictable that they're going to make the winning plays, even if it's a 58-yard field goal to tie the game in a pouring rain in Philadelphia in late November. Whatever they need to do, they have the magic to do right now. So, yeah, we're seeing an NFL where one way or another, the teams that are the elite teams or the better for this 2023 season are finding ways to win. The games still have a lot of drama, but as you look up, you go, up. Oh, all the teams that were poor teams lost again, and the good teams won again. And we're starting to see that trend really occur in November. I'm going to plant my flag right now that the Eagles will not make the Super Bowl. I, I, they cannot keep doing what they're doing. It's, not, it's, just, it's too hard to win football games, and they just keep doing it in miraculous fashion. The Chiefs didn't really need miracles. They weren't, you know, after it's been a couple of weeks, Chiefs fans have really been hard on this team about the offense and the lack of big plays. And, you know, six minutes to go in the half, the Chiefs aren't even on the board yet. They're down 14 nothing to the Raiders. It's starting to look bad. But then they just go crazy. Over 36 minutes, they score 31 points. They go on a 31-3 to run over just over a little half of football, which is really hard to do in the NFL. And everything was working. They eventually ran the ball. Mahomes was finding Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice now, my favorite statistic, he is number one in the NFL in yards after catch now. 
8.2 yards after catch is top. That's better than Debo Samuel and all these other cross route guys that we see that take off and run. Rasheed Rice is turning into a star right before our eyes. This is huge because they got to have something else other than Travis Kelsey. Despite, I mean, the win was great. But in the win, what was it that you saw in the Chiefs that gives you optimism that they may be on a championship-type run again? I thought they faced the demons, the crossroads, for the first time in uh, the Patrick Mahomes era. In the first half, in the first quarter, the offense, I thought, was sped up. Patrick Mahomes did not look like he had confidence in his receivers. Um, They are not on the same page. It has been, you know, it's just a fact. They're not on the same page. Patrick Mahomes is playing calculus football, and the other guys are playing simple football. In other words, when a route is drawn up to be a post, that means run up the field uh, 10 yards and run at a 45-degree angle toward the goal post. That's just, you know, that's how it's drawn up by the playbook, Kevin. But if depending on the coverage, it can be thrown probably 15 to 20 yards difference when you get down 35 yards down the field. You're supposed to read the coverage. His receivers are running the route like they're running, like I would do, like the playbook. But he's doing a calculus level. Like, no, the leverage point was on the inside. Stay flat. Don't run toward the goalpost. Throw it. I'm going to throw it to the outside. You know, that kind of thing. They're not on the same page. And I think Patrick Mahomes' confidence was shaken a little bit in the second half against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then even in the first half, that interception he threw, that's about as bad as we've seen, right, in the end zone against the Eagles. And so Patrick Mahomes is, is searching, like, what I'm going to be confident. I'm going to throw the guys the ball, whoever's open. Remember all those statements he's made? But I don't think he really believed that in the first quarter. And the Raiders were all over them, and they were moving the ball like old Chiefs defenses were experiencing. And I thought one of the biggest plays in the Chiefs season on their run to go win a Super Bowl, if they do that, Kevin, is the crazy thing that happens when you get momentum when the other team misses a field goal yeah. to go up by two scores. Yeah. Seven to nothing. I, I love the call. They should have kicked the field goal, not gone for fourth down. They should have kicked the field goal to go up 10 nothing. And on the first two drives, basically the first quarter's gone. The Raiders had done their work and he missed it. And the Chiefs got a deep breath of fresh air to go, okay, what's going to happen? And yet the Raiders scored one more time and ended up leading 14 to nothing, not 17 to nothing. Three drives, three scores. No, 14 to nothing. But I thought Patrick Mahomes at that point was was wondering what are where where are we going to do? What is our offense about? We're not the elite Chiefs anymore. And then all of a sudden, they just got a little traction and took off. And like you said when you talked about this in the introduction here, it looked like they were hitting on all cylinders and they're the Chiefs of old. And I really think they were. But they were so close to getting in the muck, to having a struggling offense, a real struggling offense where Patrick Mahomes didn't know if he believed in everybody. But Travis Kelsey started getting open, right? Even with Taylor Swift not there, he started catching the ball. That pass that he got for 32 yards or whatever woke the Chiefs back up. They hit a normality. And as soon as they had just a little bit of hint that they're the old Chiefs again, Rasheed Rice making a play, right? Then Patrick Mahomes was all in. And you look at him as postgame, he was 100% confident. He was back to being the absolute normal Patrick Mahomes. And I saw that smile on his face sitting on the bench. I don't know what quarter it was when they showed him. It was the third or early fourth. And I go, he's back. There's no shakiness at all. So, Kevin, I think they were much closer to the cliff of not being a good offense this season and wondering what the heck's going on. 
I may be too dramatic on this. I believe it. I thought they were questioning themselves, and the Raiders had them by the neck, and they got out of it, and now I don't think they're going to look back. Because Rasheed Rice, we knew he was going to be good, Kevin. He wasn't going to drop the ball forever. I mean, Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver ever, dropped the ball as a rookie. He's going to catch it. He's going to be a factor. Travis Kelsey's still there. Andy Reid's still there. The, the hurdle's not that hard. The teams are not that good in the AFC. Well, the Chiefs are just fine. But I don't think – I thought they were at a crossroads. Yeah, at a point – a fork in the road. I really thought they were in trouble, and they popped out of it. Well, don't look now, but Rasheed Rice is going to have a better rookie season than Tyreek Hill had in Kansas City. And I'm, I'm not putting that on him to say he's going to be Tyreek Hill, but I think this is going to be an elite receiver. I think they've got a – a wide receiver one and Rasheed Rice. We just there's too much evidence of it when he gets the ball. He's more athletic. He's big. He can create some space and he turns the corner on players that can't catch him. That 40 yard touchdown run was phenomenal. That's a simple little route. It takes a little time. The crossing routes take a little time. But we've sat here for years. The most common question I get from Chiefs fans is, how in the world is Travis Kelsey always open? And my my short response is, well, a lot of them he's crossing the field. And Mahomes either has a lot of time or he steps up and out of the pocket and creates time. And eventually on a crossing route, when you're going all the way across the field, you're going to get open at some point. We saw a lot of routes like that in the game yesterday. And when they throw that ball to Rasheed Rice and he does that, he's not Travis Kelsey, okay? Kelsey's not going to turn the corner and run to the end zone. Rasheed Rice can. He reminds me a little bit of Debo Samuel when he runs some of those routes. I, I just think this is very exciting. And the essence of coaching isn't the true essence of coaching learning your roster, looking at the capabilities of individual players, and then designing it to work for them? And isn't that where Rasheed Rice really, really shines is these short crossing routes? Yes, and when you use the words Debo Samuel and Tyreek Hill in your discussion, oh my, those are my two biggest play guys in the NFL. McCaffrey, he'd be my third, but those two guys are unbelievable difference makers. There's a lot of great pros a lot of great receivers and running backs. I get it. These guys are elite athletes. We're seeing highlight real stuff, but you're going to the elite of the elite, the difference makers. And he has that capability of running after the catch. And he's physical. It doesn't mind getting bumped. You know, getting started is the big thing. When you catch the ball on the run and you're going forward, it's pretty easy to use your speed and physicality. But if he catches the ball with his back to the defense, how do you get away? Usually you're going to get bumped by a linebacker or safety and they're going to try and knock you down and slow you down immediately. He's not. He doesn't have that happen. I mean, he comes. He gets going, and he'll bounce off people. So I, I think he is a big upside guy. He's the one you need to look to when you think about three years down the road. Who's Patrick Mahomes going to be able to throw the ball to? I believe in him. I do think he's a difference maker with some elite run after catch that you saw. You talked about the statistics. Is that flat-out speed? His instincts are just going to get better because he's going to start catching the ball with more confidence. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough when you're new, the traffic, because you said something very important. A crossing route works if the offensive line gives the quarterback time because in the big-time football, the calculus level that I talked about with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is teaching, there's all kinds of windows. Because when that route is run across the field, Kevin, there's no point he's supposed to throw the football. It's, I could throw it now, oh, or now, or now, or now. So you're always open. You're going through all kinds of windows. He gets to decide, what is the secondary doing? Are they in man-to-man? Are they in a zone? What, I have to worry about this linebacker, this cornerback in cover two. So you're always open. The crossing routes are the most elite throws and the best play that there is in football, Kevin. If you have time, you're in a slot on the left, and you angle to the middle of the field and then cross over in a square turn and, and go at a 90-degree angle across the field 
at about 15 to 20 yards downfield. Doesn't matter what coverage is. It doesn't matter. Cover two, cover three, cover four, man to man, man free. Doesn't matter. It opens up. So if the offensive line can give it to you, that's what makes Tyreek Hill so elite. That you can run that route anytime and it's going to be open. But you can do it with other guys if you can count on them, if they can continue to run with speed and can go catch the ball. I'm high on Rice Rice as well. But I'm also just going, I think the Chiefs offense is back to being the Chiefs offense. Is it dominant to the level it was before? No, but I'm not as worried. I thought Patrick Mahomes was at a point where his confidence was changing. This is a new look on his face at the end of the Eagles game and early in the Raider game. And all of a sudden, after halftime, he just had that warm glow again. Like, you got this. Let's go. And and the defense is just it's a given at this point. I'll share a little story. I was watching with my buddy Cato. It was his 60th birthday yesterday. And so we're watching and he, when he gets mad at a football team or football game, like he was really mad at K-State Saturday night, the defense. And he was really mad at the Chiefs defense early in this game. And I said, the Chiefs defense is a given, Rob, here's what I'll do. I'll bet you 10 bucks. I'll take under 24 and a half points for the Raiders in this game. This is when it was 14 to nothing. I said, the Chiefs defense will figure this out. The Raiders will score no more than 10 points the rest of the way. Mark my words. And he goes, oh, you're on. I mean, he's ready. He's thinking the Raiders are going to put 48 on the board, you know, the way that things started. I said, nope, they'll figure it out. I, I'm telling you, the Chiefs defense now is a given. And what they did from that point on, only giving up three points, was just remarkable to watch. Yes, it was. And you think about Cato getting baited. I talked about <laughs> that field goal they missed. That should have been 17 yep. nothing, No problem. And it did give you some hints like, uh-oh, this isn't the Chiefs team we know. But you just got to calm down and understand that Steve Spagnola has answers. I mean, did he call an unbelievable game or what? And then the guys that he has that can make plays. I mean, right now we're getting to a point of the year where when, when he's on the slot, uh, Trent McDuffie, they even know he's going to blitz. He's not even tricking them. Before, Trent McDuffie would come off the edge and the opponent would be like, Oh, I thought you were in man-to-man on the slot. What are you doing in a backfield already? Now they even know he's coming, and they can't get him. And it's just amazing. The answers that the Chiefs have, the aggression with, with which the Chiefs will play. So, Kevin, you were smart to think long-term, think of a full game, and the Chiefs' defense has become a given. Uh, and Nick Bolton, when he gets back, it'll make it even better because they're losing a little bit of the physicality in the middle. But, boy, aren't those guys making smart plays? When they run those little trick plays, you know, they, they do a wide receiver pass and the Chiefs are guarding them like it's, <laughs> you know, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and nothing's open. Most teams get tricked a little bit. They don't get tricked at all, Kevin. Uh, it's amazing what they can do in the secondary. Even at the linebackers, they're not quite as physical against the running game right now. But you got to think about, uh, you know, what they're, they're getting out of Drew Tank- Tranquil. He's so smart that sometimes they'll run a little screen pass that could be really tricky on second down, and he goes over there and tackles them for no gain. So you don't have quite the physicality in there that they have with their normal middle linebacker in the ball game, uh, but they're still playing at a high level, and Steve Spagnola has a lot of parts he can do. The Chiefs have confidence. Because early in the game, Kevin, what was happening to the Chiefs? Why were they getting burned? Well, Legereus Need was allowing, not allowing, watching an elite receiver catch the ball right when he's with it. That's not going to happen all game long. I mean, Snead's not going to beat up, get, get beat up all game long. He's not going to lose his confidence. So congratulations on winning your bet. And, oh, by the way, congratulations, Cato, on 
birthday number 60. There you go. All right, as of today, the Colts, the Browns, and the Steelers are all in the playoffs in the AFC. Will any of them make the playoffs? <laughs> Did you just say the Colts? The Browns and the Steelers. The Browns. Yes. Well, at least the Steelers have a real coach, you know. They do. Um, and, and by the way, their offense was the best it's been all year this week. So they fired their offensive coordinator, and for some reason they put up 430 yards of offense or something. So maybe – the Steelers, I don't know, the Browns don't have a quarterback. The Colts don't excite me much. The Colts, the Browns, and the Steelers are all in. The Broncos are charging hard. And there's other teams out there that are clearly better football teams. They just haven't played that way, like Buffalo. I don't know. I'm, I, I'd be, I'd welcome the Colts, Browns, and Steelers to the party, but I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I I, I don't think if you, one of those teams won't make it. I Probably the Steelers, you know, they're in a tough division. Uh, but Cincinnati didn't get the job done. They were able to win that ball game and finally outgain somebody. They have an unbelievable coach. I think the Browns' defense, Kevin, is legitimate enough that they should. But it obviously should be Buffalo rolling into the playoffs and knocking someone out. But, man, their schedule's hard. Uh, they got a hard road, and they are not playing with confidence. You know, they got Kansas City and Dallas next after a week off. They have a week off, and they play. they're 500. I think Denver's going to make it. They've got the easiest yeah, schedule left in the NFL, and they're playing great. Yeah, they were my team starting of the year. We haven't followed up much on this because they were in such an embarrassing state. You know, Sean Payton giving up the 70 points to Miami and then the talk that he had in off season. But, Kevin, when we started the year, you go back and just go what we said before the season, said the Chiefs are going to win the division again, but the team that will rise to be the second best will be Sean Payton uh, because I think we're going to see a better version of Russell Wilson. I think he's going to lose some weight, move a little bit better, and kind of spark with this new coach, and I think you're seeing it all happen right now. Plus, the defense, which I didn't know if it would be good, because they lost some good defensive coordinatorship and in the past. You know, with, with the coaches they lost, their head coach two years ago was really a defensive guru. So I wondered about that, but I believe in Sean Payton and good coaching, Kevin, and here we go. So I'm with you. I think Denver could – Make the playoffs. I wouldn't trust the Colts. You know, Texans are playing great, but can you t trust them to be a wild card right now? Buffalo should be. Buffalo should, should just say, Marcus in is a seventh seed. There's no way we're not going to make it, but I'm not sure. They are, they are looking at each other, and they're finding ways to lose. Yep. And yesterday was the epitome of that yep. when they played so much better than the Eagles, so much better. They should have been ahead by 14 or 17 points instead of 10, and they weren't. They blew it. They missed two short field goals. The coach's decisions were awful. He's now trying to be the defensive coordinator, and there's dissension starting to occur in the team. And, you know, they're starting to dig, just starting to get mad and say, you know, I don't like what Josh Allen's doing. Why didn't you throw the ball to me? But he had one of the biggest drops in the game in overtime. So that team's struggling right now. They're so good, Kevin. So we want, as a Chiefs fan, do not want revival from the Bills. I still say, we do not want to have to play them in the playoffs. So beat them in a regular season. Beat them in a regular season in two weeks, and you may have the death blow on them. Root for the Cowboys to beat them, the Miami Dolphins to beat them, and we may be able to get rid of Buffalo. But this AFC is turning into one of the least uh, scary opponent lists that I've seen in a long time. We thought this was going to be murderer's row, right? Yep. But with no, no Joe Burrow, um, you're starting to say, oh, gosh, Kevin. You got to worry about this Jacksonville team. Well, you know, Jacksonville's just trying to grow up. You know, they're your little brother that 
someday might pound you when he gets to be 20, but he's still only 14 and you're 17. You know, I mean, he's cute. He's good. He's growing fast. He's going to be better than you in, in the back, you know, in the backyard in basketball. But right now, you can still kind of shove him out of the way. Yeah, and here's why it looks so good for the Chiefs, if you ask me. If Okay, let's say the Ravens are the hardest thing they have to do, and let's even say this. Let's say the Chiefs have to go to the AFC Championship game in Baltimore on the road, okay, which I don't think is going to happen, but let's just say they had to go do that. What's the most the Ravens are going to score? 20? I mean, you're going to try to beat the Chiefs in a championship game by scoring 20? That's what I love about this Chiefs defense, and the and the Ravens offense isn't that great anyway. What they score yesterday, 20, with, with a late score, um, they got there, but that, that seriously, that would be their goal. We got to go score 20 points and try to beat the chiefs. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things, Lamar Jackson, whatever you think of him, he, I've said this this year, when he throws the ball on TV with confidence and that ball spins out of his hands with, you know, velocity, like a real good passing quarterback, I know who he's throwing it to Mark Andrews, Kevin, you don't have to tell me, you, you don't have to tell me I can shut my eyes and I'll say, I'll bet you. Cato wants to bet me. I'm going, that's past the Mark Andrews. Okay? <laughs> when he fires the ball with confidence, it's to the tight end. He throws to that tight end more than Mahomes throws it to Kelsey. He throws to that tight end more than any quarterback targeting a receiver or tight end. It's Mark Andrews, and he is hurt. Now, he may not be out for the year, but it appears he might be. So you talk about whatever you want to build about the Ravens. Oh, he, you know, they know how to win. They got a great coach. Yes, the defense is playing at an elite level. Yes, uh, this is an MVP quarterback in Lamar Jackson who can really run. Oh, I'm going to tell you, he hardly ever runs. Okay, he he doesn't want to get hit, and he doesn't want to run anymore. So he doesn't use his speed to cut your heart out. He stands back there and scrambles to throw average passes. They do have one new receiver that's really good, the rookie, but they are likely, like you said even without playoff mode, because we could also lay over, they don't do well in the playoffs, right, Kevin? Even at home. But if he plays really well and you take out the playoff type of issues, they probably still are only going to score 20 points. Yeah, It is hard for them to score. It is every single game. I don't care who the opponent is. When I watch the Ravens game, they move down the field very slowly and they settle for a lot of field goals because they got the best field goal kicker in the history of the game, Kevin. So they're going to bomb field goals. They're going to take their points. They're well coached. Their special teams are good. But you're right. They're, they are not a good matchup when they're thinking from their point of view against the Chiefs. For the Chiefs, it's a great matchup. Because like you said, it's going to be hard for them to score over 20. And oh, if they did, oh my gosh, they got 24, Kevin. Well, I think I think the Chiefs in the playoffs in an AFC championship game are going to get to 20 or 24 to beat them. So yeah, they should be the scariest team. But the Chiefs match up so well with them. Jacksonville should be the second most scary team because they really have they've learned a lot from last year they got a legitimate coach but they're still in a growth pattern and yeah if Miami plays that one game if Miami plays their best they and the Dallas Cowboys will be hugging each other because no one could take it to a higher level Kevin than Dallas and Miami no one's less likely to do that game after game than Dallas and Miami okay so uh these teams are not in the same level as the Chiefs. Right. I feel really, really good because it's not just how good you are, Kevin. It's how you, you good you are this year against the other teams. Right. And who scares you? The Eagles, who just come back, Bill. I mean, that's all. The Eagles are not as good as they were last year, Kevin. They're not even close to as good. But, man, they know how to win games in the end. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to some college football brought to you by Cross Kitchens, KC.com, Kansas City's remodeler. Whether you're looking for a kitchen remodel, a man cave, or a bathroom, or something as simple as countertop replacements, Cross Kitchens KC is ready to work with your family. Call 816-898-7047 or log on to CrossKitchensKC.com for a free analysis today. The Finch Knife Company, what a great opportunity to get something really cool for somebody for Christmas this year, a Finch pocket knife. Keep life from getting dull. Multiple collections all in stock right now and online at FinchKnifeCo.com. You can ship these anywhere in the world. You're going to love it. They got their new Christmas series out as well. Check it out online, finchknifeco.com. And Ideal Health KC, located at K7 in Shawnee Mission Parkway in Shawnee, is regenerative medicine. And this is the future of medicine. If you ask me, use your body's own tissue and blood to help what ails you, whether it's joint pain or just if you're feeling lethargic. Maybe a consultation with Dr. Van Camp can lead to better health for you. IdealHealthKC.com, 913-745-5300 to schedule an appointment today. Stan Weber, we got four undefeated teams in college football. Isn't it as simple as this? If they all go out and win this weekend, we've got our playoff set? Kevin, if you were just a mathematician and a computer and you just talked logic, the answer would be yes. But Florida State star quarterback got hurt. How much is the committee supposed to take into account that the starting quarterback and the superstar None. who's the Heisman Trophy candidate? Zero. They, 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 oh, I have no problem with that, Kevin. Right. You, you, you and I think so much alike. Zero. If they, they just won at Florida, and if they win their title game this week, zero. I'm sorry. It's a good football team. And if you don't take them, you're essentially telling everyone else in the program that you don't matter. What you did doesn't matter. Your one guy is gone, so you're out. That's ridiculous. This is a team game. Kevin, but they only are going to beat Louisville, and Louisville lost at home to Kentucky, and the <laughs> SEC so much better, so Florida State really didn't beat anybody, okay? Anyway, hey, they beat Florida's in SEC. Oh, that doesn't count because Florida's limping in, and their starting quarterback was hurt, Kevin. So I think you should not count this injury situation at all. The NCAA tournament is allowed to do it when they do their seeding. They take into account if a star player gets hurt right down at the conference tournament, they do factor that in. The college football playoff committee is supposedly allowed in their bylaws to consider injuries, Kevin. I'm just saying that's our curveball factor here because will they start evaluating if, if Georgia wins and Michigan wins, they're in. If Washington wins, they're in. They're undefeated. They did their work. Um, so they are in. But Florida State, if they win, they could sit there and say, oh, no, no, Texas looks so good coming down the stretch. And the fact that they beat Alabama on the road and Florida State's quarterbacks hurt, could they slip someone else in? I'm just saying, we don't know for sure. I'm with you. I just want to say, how good are the teams? If they're undefeated all year long and they win their conference, there's four of them, I think Florida State should be in. Okay, so let's do the what-ifs here on this because I think I think Washington's going to lose. They're a 10-point underdog against Oregon, which is remarkable for an undefeated team to be a 10-point underdog. And Florida State's got a chance to lose. I don't care how bad Louisville is. The quarterback is out, so Florida State's not the same. I'm willing to say that. So if a couple of these teams lose, I don't think there's any question. Washington and Florida State would be out if they lose. They're not going to make it with a loss. Who gets in? Who's next up for you? Is it Texas? Because I Look, Texas is going to play Oklahoma State Saturday morning. Aren't they just going to blow the doors off the Cowboys? You know, if you look at the last game, there's not a lot of juice to help your resume for Texas and Michigan. Now, Michigan's going to be honored and, and said 
hey, who cares if you beat Iowa by 40? You know, you're going to get in the, the college football playoff. Texas has a loss. That loss to Oklahoma hangs over them. And you've got to say, do they get any credit if they separate and win by 20 points against Oklahoma State? Or does everyone just say, man, Oklahoma State, this team's not that great. Um, we, we're not going to give you credit. So Texas is at a real, really weird situation because they're not going to get a lot of credit for beating Oklahoma State, but they're going to get a lot of credit for beating Alabama. The, the craziness Kevin gets is what happens if Alabama beats Georgia? What happens if Nick Saban pulls a rabbit out of the hat and Alabama wins the SEC with only one loss? How do you not put them in? You can't take them over Texas. And there you go. That's one of the thoughts. And right now in most rankings, they are behind Texas because Texas went to Alabama and won the game. That's right. But you know there are the sympathizers who control national media who go, well, Alabama's quarterback at that point was a completely different human being, and he didn't play that well. Remember, he later after that game didn't play in a game that Nick Saban said, I don't know if you're a quarterback. He's obviously playing better. But Alabama just should have lost to Auburn. But no one's going to remember that, Kevin. They're going to go, oh, mighty Alabama. So I think you're right. If Texas wins, Texas should get in over Alabama. But I'm not sure that's going to go down. And then you start saying, what are they going to do about Georgia with one loss? And if Washington loses to Oregon, Oregon has a loss and Washington has a loss. They both beat each other. I think they'll give love to Oregon right now with Bo Nix making his Heisman Trophy run. And everyone loves how Oregon's playing. I think they'd make the college football playoff if one of those other teams lost ahead of them, and they won. But why should Oregon get more love than Texas or Alabama or Georgia, who just lost their first game, or Washington? So it's a complete mess. You know what it should be, Kevin? Oh, there was this radio talk show host I used to work with all the time. I mean, this guy (laughs) had the best radio show that you've ever heard in sports. Okay? It was unbelievable. Between the lines, I don't know what that meant, but, you know, it was a really cool show. So I talked to this guy 10 years ago. And we had this idea that you should have six champions make the football playoff of conferences. And I don't care if they play dice, flip a coin, have a conference championship game. Just tell us who your champion is, ACC, Pac-12. Tell us who they are. And then one of the small conferences gets in, guaranteed. And then you have two uh, available options for people who aren't conference winners. Kevin, if we had that, man, wouldn't this be exciting to see who's going to make it? In a 12-team playoff, the problem we have, and think about this, they, they did it well on Fox. Michigan played Ohio State in a giant game for winning the conference, winning the rivalry game, and getting into the national championship hunt. Next year with a 12-team playoff, the loser goes, oh, we'll rest and be ready to play in the playoffs. You, know, you don't. There's not a lot of downside yeah. in a 12-team playoff. But an 18-team playoff that you and I talked about, Kevin, a long time ago, man, you, when you've got to win your conference. Yeah. Think about these games. Oklahoma State could win and be in. It would be the best, but that isn't what they designed it for. And as as we transition here to Missouri and the great season they've had, if this is next year, Missouri's in the playoff. I firmly believe that. Oh, with their ten and two record, and the SEC probably has four teams in. Georgia would be in. Alabama would be in. Missouri would be in, and then LSU or Ole Miss or Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss over LSU. Um, they would want LSU in there because that could be your Heisman winner. They'd want him in. I, this whole <laughs> yeah. thing is set up for the SEC to have so many teams in the playoffs. That's what it's all about. I don't like that about the 12-team playoff, but I'll take it over what we've got right now. And I you know, it's, I know it's probably painful for Missouri fans to hear because it seems 
pretty symptomatic of, you know, all things Mizzou that, boy, if this were just a year later, we'd be in this thing and they're playing great football. I mean, Missouri is just playing great football, Stan. Well, they are, Kevin, and K-State fans could jump on board and say if you had it the 12-team playoff, they would have been in last year yes. as a conference champion. So, yeah, K-State and Missouri are shaking their heads going, oh, come on, man. But uh, the thing about Missouri that I want to say, Kevin, with great, great appreciation is I don't remember a team playing 12 games and bringing it as much and as consistently as Missouri did this year. They didn't have ups and downs. And that is a heck of a compliment to Eli Drinkwitz and the coaching staff and the leadership of this team. When you think, oh, boy, they may overlook Arkansas. Arkansas on senior day is going to play their butts off. You know, it's a Friday game, a feature game on national TV. This could be dangerous. And what does Missouri do? Come out and do what's very predictable. Just run the ball with Schrader for 200 yards, and he doesn't even play in the fourth quarter. Missouri brought it every game this year. The most disappointed you could be as a Missouri fan for effort and excellence probably was the Middle Tennessee State game in Game 2 when they said, oh, I don't know about our quarterback situation, and we didn't blow these guys out. Kevin, are you kidding me? You cannot think badly about Mizzou's effort and excellence against Georgia on the road at all. You, you can't. That was unbelievable. And even LSU, you can say Brady cooked through a couple of interceptions. He doesn't normally do that. You had the interception against Georgia. I'm telling you, LSU's quarterback, Daniels, put on a Heisman Trophy show and beat Missouri in the fourth quarter. Missouri did nothing wrong. So we sit here at the end of the year with Missouri being a top-10 team. They do get rewarded, Kevin, with a New Year's Six Bowl game. That's pretty cool. Those six big bowl games, they're going to be in one of those. They deserve to be ranked in the top 10. That's a big deal to get to 10 wins in regular season is incredible. And a chance to get 11 is off the charts good. So all, all that is great. But I'm telling you the difference with this Missouri team than most other teams in the country, they didn't have a roller coaster ride. Yeah, they brought they, it. When they played Kentucky, they brought it. They brought when it. they played South Carolina, they brought it. Yep. When Tennessee – oh, so you want to say, oh, how about Florida? No, Florida played great. And, and Graham Mertz is from Kansas City, Kevin. He was telling the guys, like, here's what it's like to play at Mizzou. You know, let's go. It's a big game. I got tons of family here. Florida played great yep. trying to save their season. Missouri didn't play bad. I'm just amazed. Missouri right. – has been the most consistent team in the whole country playing week after week after week. Okay, so you you still have a Heisman vote? Yes, I do. Uh, is, do you put one name down, or is it like rank voting three. one, two, three? Oh, you get three points, two points, one I, point. I don't so know how you feel every, about Every this. spot you put them in is, it, is really important. If you gave me a sheet with three, I, I promise you 1,000% Cody Schrader would be number three. Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz said that in postgame, didn't he? Right there on the field on CBS. Why, he's a leading rusher in the SEC by a million miles. <laughs> and what's the SEC known for? Those big dudes up front. I'll right. say the first thing, if you want to talk about SEC football, is it different than the Big 12 and ACC and Big 10? I'll say yes. And you can say, why? And I'll tell you, it's a very simple thing. Those two defensive tackles and those four-band fronts are freaks. They are different than in other conferences. They blow up plays. In the running game, in the passing game, quarterbacks hate to see them coming after you. That's the difference in the SEC, Kevin. And yet this dude ran for those kind of yardage. So I have no problem with him being in consideration. But there are some – this is not an easy year to say right. who should win the Heisman. There are a number of candidates. 
but you should include him in as one of your candidates. I, I agree completely. It's remarkable. All right, let's move on to the game you called in Manhattan on the Snowmageddon on Saturday night. I'm going to start with a question. I texted Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com yesterday. I said, did anybody ask? Did anybody ask? Why didn't they clear that field before the game? You know, it's an interesting question. I don't know the... I saw him working on the lines and the right, hash marks. But that's it. All I could think for a long of time. is... I mean, before uh, the game. I Sam, saw him before the, the game. They kind of constantly the kept doing that. only answer I can come up with is Chris Kleiman wanted it that way. And that defense couldn't tackle, and it couldn't cut, and it looked like 11 guys that had never seen snow in their life. It was embarrassing. I mean, the K-State defense was embarrassing in that game, and I'm not going to blame it all on the snow, but I don't think it would have looked anything like that on a clean field. That's not to say Iowa State couldn't have won the game on a clean field. I do not understand why they didn't clear that field before kickoff. Now, if it accumulated a little bit during the game, it is what it is. But, I mean, my God, Stan, have you ever seen anything as bad as K-State's defense Saturday night? Oh, no, it's the most unusual thing I've seen. It's interesting to confirm it snowed steadily and pretty hard right? all game long. So it would if they would have cleared the field, they would have had to do it probably an hour before, 45 minutes before, because of warm-ups. And I don't know how much snow would have come back. They just kept working on the hash marks and the five-yard mark lines. So, I don't ever remember uh, a game anywhere. Question. I don't remember a game anywhere in college or pro where they didn't clear the field before the game. I just yeah, don't it's, remember it's that. Great, it's just a great question because that didn't happen. That They did not clear it, and it snowed back on there. It would have snowed back on some or a lot. I don't know, but... That's a very interesting question. That now, had to be K State's decision. I, they had to decide this is what we want. You know, hey, this is so interesting. I never, this has never crossed my mind. This whole, what you just said is just so new to my brain. I'm going, I'm not saying well, this is a heck of a question. Here's, so, my, here's why I think I they did it. I have no idea where Will you're going. Howard, Will yeah. Howard had all night to throw. They know that Iowa State's not a passing team. And I think what they thought was there will be no pass rush against our quarterback in this snow. He will just stand back there and pick them apart. And I think that's what they were going for and somehow didn't realize that if you open a hole at the line of scrimmage and a guy takes off, you ain't catching him in the snow. You're just not. And I mean, I was like, I was getting all these pictures from all my friends that were at the game and stuff. And I'm like, why are they not clearing the field? You know, it's an hour before kickoff. I'm like, look at all that snow. Why aren't they clearing the field? It made no sense to me. None whatsoever. Well, that's such an interesting take. Um, when you go back to the game though, it was the most surprising thing I've ever seen. Forget the snow. K-State ran more plays than the K-State Wildcats have ever run from scrimmage in the history of their program. They had 102 snaps. They had the ball for 42-plus minutes in the game, and Iowa State snapped the ball from scrimmage only 35 times, but got 42 points. Whoa, how could that possibly possibly be? Five touchdowns of 60 yards or more, including the first play of the game that you, you sit down or you don't sit down in the snow and a, a freshman wow. running back getting his first start goes for 71 yards right, up the this middle. This was a problem for That's K-State cool. from the beginning this year, okay? That happened in the Missouri game. We saw multiple games. And Chris Kleiman's a defensive coach. He was a secondary coach. Can you please explain to me why after it's happened twice, you don't have a safety standing back in the middle of the field 25 yards deep just watching the ball? I don't understand it, Stan. How can you how can you have a defensive alignment at that point? Okay, we got trouble here in the snow. Something's wrong. How come you don't have somebody back? 
Hell, I'd have taken Avery Johnson off the bench and said, go play safety. Stand 25 yards back. You're the fastest guy on the team. If they break loose, go hit him. You can give up 40 yards. You just can't give up 70 and a touchdown. Well, you've got to not only hit him, Kevin, you got to pull your arms out and tackle him. <laughs> yes, okay? Cause, yes. No, because K-State, some of these oh. plays, K-State had hits on. Oh. Um, and, and one of them was a defensive lineman that had oh. a, a really strong hit at the line of scrimmage. And when he slipped off, Abu Sama was off to the races like oh. he was Adrian Peterson, right? I mean, he was running over people, through them, and then as soon as he got into open field, outran oh, all right. the angles. But, yeah. the, but the worst one was for K-State is the fact that the game's tied and TCU has a third and 16 backed up at their 18-yard line. You're in the fourth quarter of a 35-35 to battle. You're saying, okay, we understand how this game's unfolded. Well, let's go win this thing. At home, and the crowd did a great job of staying there, Kevin. Pretty good numbers came, and they stayed, and they were yelling loud, and they flip a little pass out. This freshman quarterback, Rocco Beck, flips a little pass out, you know, about seven yards downfield. So it is no chance that he's going to get a first down because there are five defenders with right angles there. for K-State. They're just right five. there. They're right there. Five, right there. <laughs> and then he, like, went invisible. He, <laughs> he, 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 he juked to the left by one step, and then he hit the accelerator down the right sideline. It's more like a track. Like, you watch 100 meters. If you didn't see the game, it's like he was running the 100 meters right straight down the lane, right in front of the Iowa State bench without stepping out of bounds. How could he get that lane without five guys touching him? He had one guy made a block on Austin Moore, the best defender for K-State. He got walled off. But the other four somehow didn't take the right angle. This guy turns into, you know, a third down dump into the flat. The K-State goes and tackles him and they punt the ball back to the Wildcats, he turns it into an 82-yard touchdown it's in nuts. a snap of the fingers. And you just it's go, it's crazy. this couldn't have, this didn't happen again. It's crazy. This is the fifth touchdown of 60 yards or more. Jalen Knoll, the guy who did that, had another 79-yard slant pass that he got loose and went away. So it's just the weirdest Ugh. game ever. Iowa State's big play. K-State almost getting 500 yards of offense against Iowa State. And losing. That doesn't happen. They threw the ball well in the snow like NFL teams do. Like you said, the NFL teams laugh at snow on offense, right? They go, no pass rush. No pass rush. Zero pass rush. But I didn't know in college if K-State would be able to function at that same level. And it worked out just like you said. There was no pass rush for Iowa State. None. None. So K-State ended up throwing the ball 48 times. They actually ran it a bunch, too. D.J. Giddens had over 100 yards. So offensively, K-State scores 35 points, and you can nitpick that, oh, they had kicked a couple of field goals in the red zone or there was interception late that was a bad you know, game type of play. But really, you can't look anywhere else and go, how did Iowa State run 35 plays and end up with 488 yards that's of total a, offense? Insane. Kevin, that is nothing like it. This has to be a record. Yeah, it's not. 13.9 plays per snap. <laughs> Thirteen point nine yards per snap. Snap. Crazy. All right, the Kansas Jayhawks. We'll finish up with this here. Uh, they finished with a five and four record in the Big Twelve. They got a winning record in the Big Twelve. Pretty big deal. Forty nine to sixteen over Cincinnati. Jason Bean had a big game. He had the top QBR of any quarterback in America this weekend. Pretty darn strong uh, finish here by the Kansas Jayhawks after a disappointing loss for them to Kansas State the week before. I guess it's more to build on. We're seeing it. They looked Cincinnati's terrible. I mean, let's just call it what it is. They're awful. But my goodness, Kansas played a beautiful game. They did. And I thought Cincinnati would test KU's metal 
by saying you exerted so much energy in your last two games against Texas Tech and that comeback without their starting or second string quarterback, even Jason Bean. I guess I call him the starter now. Uh, you know, not Jalen Daniels, but let's just say they didn't have either one of those and they're looking at a freshman quarterback. They did an amazing job of almost beating Texas Tech, but that becomes a disappointing loss at home. They had 11 point lead against K State in the second half. They lose that game. So those two disappointments and home losses could really burden the Jayhawks and they could look past Cincinnati. Because, Kevin, you go to Cincinnati, it looks like a little stadium. I've been there. It looks like a little stadium in the city. You know, it just doesn't feel like college. It sure doesn't feel like a Big 12 game, right? And, and what does Kansas have to play for? They're actually working out, Kevin, watching a demolition ball knock down the west side of Memorial Stadium. It's like this season's over. Kansas could have lost their focus. And guess what? Cincinnati's the first team to score. So they lead three to nothing. It is so gutsy for KU to go, no, no, we're here all day. Cincinnati, doesn't matter that we're on the road. We can win on the road. You're not any good. And they made it look that way. Finishing a 49-16 to 16 game, Kevin, they had to do some work to get it done. Jason Bean was unbelievable. Cincinnati is the worst team in the league by two games. They're one and eight in conference. The next fewest wins is three. So you're looking at a team that doesn't know how to compete at this level, and yet they had a chance on senior day, and KU said no way and just finished it off strong. So an amazing year for KU. They stepped up from where they were last year, that 6-7 and seven team. They did so much and made a big move. Kevin, they finished 8-4 and four this year. And so Kansas ought to feel very good about themselves going forward. And what you want to do now is go win a bowl game. It's so unusual for KU to play two bowl games in a row, Kevin. It's only happened one other time in KU history, I believe, when Mark Mangina was there. So for them to do this two years in a row is significant when you look at KU history. And now you got to go out and win the bowl game, right? That Arkansas game was incredible. And KU played great in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl. But this time, you know, go out and win and finish your season on a, a, with a win and nine wins. And I don't know how you couldn't be happier with Lance Leipold. Stan, you're awesome, buddy. I cannot thank you enough for your time as always. Excellent analysis. It was a wild weekend, and we thank you so much. We're pretty lucky around here, Kevin, with the Chiefs being the best in the world. And Mizzou, top 10. K-State and KU playing at the level they are. We've just seen a ton of good football so far this year. So it's been fun, Kevin. Can't wait to talk to you more about it as it unfolds as the Chiefs continue to make this run. Thank you, buddy. You're the best. Okay, see you, Kevin. All right, he is Stan Weber, and that's your football feast. He just brings it every single time. We love having Stan on, and he's got it all for you every time he is on here at KKHI. Chiefs win 31-17. we got college madness, bowl seasons coming up. It's going to be great. Stan will be with us the whole way. It's brought to you by Advantage Termite and Pest Control. Online at AdvantageTPC.com. Residential and commercial. We've been customers for over 20 years. Call 913-768-8989 for Advantage Termite and Pest Control. Online at AdvantageTPC.com. North Kansas City Dental. Dr. Bill Bush could be your new dentist. Call for an appointment. You know it's time to get your teeth clean and get checked out. 816-471-2911. They have offices in Missouri and Kansas. NKCDental.com. And Aminis. This is Aminis. 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park. Why don't you buy yourself something cool for the holidays this year? You want to celebrate big time with some leather theater seating or maybe a game table for your game room downstairs? They've got pool tables, shuffleboard, pinball, arcade games, video games, all kinds of great stuff at Aminis and online at aminis.com. There's your football feast, and it is back on. We'll have much more as the week continues as the Chiefs are headed to Green Bay to play some Sunday night football against the Packers. 
as they'll try to march and regain that one seed and be able to just stay at home for the playoffs again. They sort of look good on Sunday. We appreciate you listening in. And we thank Stan Weber for being with us right here at Kevin Keatsman as issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!